This democracy thing isn't easy, David said, taking Meg's place at his father's side and peering over Shuellen's shoulder to look at the papers he'd spread before him. We should alert your allies that we might have to act without Parliament. Already done, Shuellen said. It would have been nice to enjoy our anniversary in peace, without rumors of war. Meg broke off as Kadesh, Anna's eldest son, hurtled into the room, his small sword raised high. Arthur! Then he caught sight of the adults arrayed in front of him and pulled up. Sheathing his sword in his belt, he sauntered towards them, an insouciant grin on his face and an irrepressible sparkle in his hazel eyes. I have something to show you. Arthur instantly squirmed to get down, abandoning Meg for his six-year-old cousin. Then a horde of small children, three-year-old Katrin, of the brown curls and green eyes, Bran, a black-haired, blue-eyed miniature of math, even at only two, and the blonde-haired twins, Elisa and Padrig, who'd been born shortly after Bran, surged through the doorway behind Kadesh. The decibel level in the room rose to that of an airplane engine. In other words, deafening. Dear God, Shuellen, Meg said. What have we done? Shuellen laughed. I prayed my whole life that such a fate would be mine. He stood to put his arm around Meg's shoulder, kissing her temple as they watched the children. Last to enter was Gwenshian, Shuellen's nine-year-old daughter by his wife, Eline, who died giving birth to her. Gwenshian shot Meg a rueful look as the children circled the room, shouting. Meg was glad to see that in preparation for the meal, when Sheehan had already changed into her finery without being asked, pulling her blonde curls back from her face in a band. When Sheehan had spent far too much time with nannies as a small child, but in recent years, she had grown into her own person, which sometimes meant not doing as she was told. She and David shooed the children out the door again. When's dinner? Shuellen said. Even after all these years, Meg made a motion to check her wrist for a watch. Of course, it wasn't there. Soon. I'll see to it. David's brow furrowed. Marty hasn't arrived yet, has he? No. Meg headed for the door, tipping her head to Gwen Sheehan to indicate that she should come along. Aren't you looking forward to seeing him, Mom? Gwen Sheehan said, in perfect American English. Meg had been frowning, but she hastily cleared her expression. She hadn't been thinking about Marty at all, but about Reese and Maddog's rebellion. Meg's son and husband were soldiers. More than that, they were leaders of men. If Meg allowed herself to think for too long about what could happen to either of them, the sick feeling that formed in her stomach took a sleepless night to conquer. They faced danger every day. Meg never got used to it. I don't know, Meg said to Gwenshian, forcing herself to answer the question as if nothing at all was the matter. That was another aspect of being the mother to one warrior and married to another, pretending that all was well when it wasn't. The last time I saw Marty, he was flying his airplane out of sight while I cooled my heels beneath Hadrian's wall.
I can't believe he abandoned you, Gwenshian said, stoutly supportive. Marty had crashed the airplane in the highlands of Scotland, so he hadn't fared as well as Meg. She'd forgiven him, since it was years ago now. Cassie and Callum had reported that Marty had adjusted well to the 13th century, and the weapons he'd made from the remains of the airplane had saved them in Scotland. But Meg hadn't forgotten what he'd done. She didn't know if she could really call him a friend, or if she was truly looking forward to seeing him after all these years.